0: Welcome to Yahoo Finance. Presents. I'm Andy Serwer, and welcome to our guest, David Chang, founder of Momofuku Restaurant Group, host of Show Ugly Delicious, and author of a new memoir, Eat a Peach. David, great to see you.
1: Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: So, kind of big question to start things off. What do you think the state of the restaurant business is in the United States given COVID? How would you characterize things right now?
1: Uh, not good. Um... It's, the the COVID has exposed a lot of the underlying um, issues uh, the industry has had, and I think a lot of people have talked about, but it hasn't been well known and documented. And now it's been exposed, right? The the fragile working environment, the, the fixed cost, all of these issues are now sort of front and center. And I guess the conversation is, what do we do about it? The government is uh, needs to intervene a little bit more, not a little bit more, a lot more, but uh, I don't know that's going to happen. And, and uh, you know, I was saying that it's a lot like the 2008 financial crisis, except that it's not too big to fail; it's too small to fail.
0: Right. It could be so, worse. I mean, you see all these small restaurants. I mean, you have the ability to tap financial backers, presumably. To no,
1: but it. but even still, no. Like you know, we're we're in a predicament ourselves, right? we, right. we still have restaurants. Um, costs haven't changed, you know, it's, it's, this is an issue. And even though we're not technically banks, most cash flow that goes into restaurants goes immediately out. The only difference is we're not charging interest. And, and, and um, so many other businesses are dependent on restaurants, whether it's a florist, you know, purveyors, artisans. So this is going to have severe repercussions And um, I'm not sure exactly what's gonna happen. The issue really is this is an accelerant of 10 to 15 years and um, you're gonna have the middle squeezed out and you're gonna have eventually recovery of the high end and certain high end restaurants are doing well. I think high end sushi, high end Italian, um, Japanese uh, like delivery, like sushi, maki rolls are doing well, but fast food, like how are you, if you're an independent restaurant, how are you supposed to compete against companies that have access to public markets?
0: Right. I mean, that's the thing. It's only Applebee's going to survive. And those kinds. of.
1: That's just the reality. Right. And their foods at the end of the day, food has to get more expensive. Nobody likes to hear that. And uh, excuse me. Why is that? Well, we have to fix the model. (laughs) You know, we have too many workers that don't have health care. We have too many issues uh, about benefits. And this is just we can't let this happen again. And one way we can do this is obviously charge more because one of the issues that we've had is everything's gotten more expensive except for what we can charge for food. Mm. And uh, that's, that's got to change. But the issue really is high a fast food business. They're not going to charge more. And when I say fast food, I think it incorporates uh, chain restaurants as well. They're going to probably drive their prices cheaper to drive out competition. So we're going to have a real issue here, let alone the, the lack of oversight for food delivery and logistics which is a giant business that should be government regulated and you know it's just this is this is a severe problem that is not being addressed
0: you mentioned the government should there be a targeted bailout for restaurants the restaurant business specifically david
1: well um ppp was people think that it was but it really was a temporary band-aid and i know that there are you know, we talked to a lot of elected officials and um, in terms of what needs to happen for restaurants, I think that in the priority, it's not there yet. They need to help local municipalities pay hospitals and schools first. So I'm not sure where the money is going to come from. And secondly, I don't know where there's solidarity in our own business. Um, a lot of there, certainly something needs to happen. And I can see both sides of the argument on the restaurant end about what and how uh, the intervention needs to be. but. Uh, at this point, I think we'll take any help.
0: How do we decide when to open restaurants and by how much? I mean, you saw that Governor Cuomo just said the 25% in New York yep. City. Does that That's make a, sense? No, it
1: doesn't, doesn't do anything. In fact, it, yeah, that just, again, it, if restaurants were limited to 90% capacity, 90% of restaurants would still go out of business. I mean, especially New York City, the, the, the model is built on 100% occupancy. Let's not even work. Listen, like let, let's look at the outliers on this equation, right? Because there's so many variables and minutiae that are all really important. But let's just look at this one fact. If we don't answer this, then everything doesn't matter anyway. I would argue that at minimum, 20% of a top line revenue of a business, whether you're a small bar or high-end dining and everything in between in urban areas, is derived from business, corporate accounts. So if you talk about private dining, happy hour, catering, office catering, and expense accounts, that's at minimum 20%. I'd argue in New York, that's probably a minimum 30% of top line revenue. A healthy business, which is probably like less than 5% of businesses operate at 15% net. Like that is like a rarity. Where the hell is that difference gonna come from? Because even if there's a vaccine, as we can all see, cities aren't going to come back to pre-pandemic levels, especially corporate environments and office workers. So we just have to focus on that issue and realize, wait, this is a fundamental problem on how we're going to operate our restaurants. And part of it is we need to start having pragmatic answers to to real problems that we know are gonna happen. They're not fun to think about, but that's part of the reasons why we're here is if you just think about the lack of office workers for restaurants, how are we gonna how are we gonna fill that void? And I don't have an answer. And people talk about tax credits here or there, but that's again a temporary solution. So, you know, I, I don't like being a, a Debbie Downer about this, but I think that we need to come up with innovative solutions. And I have hope in coming up with impossible like an answer to these impossible problems.
0: Right. I mean you talked about the safe and just reopening
1: plan. I mean, it's just not good enough. The 25%'s nonsense. It's just nonsense. We need to have protocol. We need to have contact tracing. We need to have everything that Seoul Korea, every other country has except for America right now for the most part. Right? I talked to my friends in Europe, talked to my friends particularly in Hong Kong, China, Korea, Japan. They're not having these issues. Their dining in is at a, a a a a not normal per se, but it's a lot better than what it is here.
0: Right. So if you get closer, I mean, isn't the point though that what Cuomo was trying to do is like, okay, it'll be incremental, and then November first, it'll be fifty percent of things work. But you say we need
1: to, you know, test oh, the content. Yeah, but it's not about that. Like, how are you going to get there? How are you going to get to fifty percent? Most restaurants probably won't make it to fifty percent. Right. Right, And yeah. then you're gonna have, and again, that's a temporary uh, solution for the, the, the beginning of winter coming up. So all in, this is a trolley car problem, right? We have to figure out what is the, the, the least worst scenario. And 25% is just a random number. It's an arbitrary number, right? right? At the end of the day, you cannot operate a business, particularly in New York City, if it's not 100% occupancy. And right, right now, employers and employees and guests don't feel comfortable doing so. So I I don't have an answer to that.
0: Right. Right. Let's talk about, uh, your book, a little bit shift gears, uh, eat a peach. So you talked about, um, some misconceptions about you and restaurants get into that a little bit for us, David.
1: Uh, could you elaborate on that?
0: Well, um, that, um, people, uh, think that, you know, it's just maybe one just nice, happy narrative, Easy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So easy.
1: You know, rest, my dad immigrated to this country in 1963. He worked in restaurants for 30 plus years of his life to make sure I would never work in restaurants. And the reason being, it's incredibly difficult. It's so hard. And even if you go to a fancy high end restaurant where everything seems flawless, it's it's not an easy way to, to make a living, you know. It seems glamorous, but it's 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 a very difficult business that ultimately is a labor of love, and um, you know, it's a calling, as I say.
0: <laughs> right. It, it's not for and everybody. You wrote openly in the book about struggles that you had with mental health. Was that hard for you to to put down on paper?
1: Um. I think originally it was incredibly difficult, uh, especially like when I first started to see help, get help in like 2003, 2004, I never thought in my wildest imagination I'd ever be so open about talking about it. Uh, But I think as I've dealt with my own issues and my own mental illness, it's become something that I've been able to share with other friends who've had their own issues. And I think at the end of the day, you know, uh, as I've gotten older, I think, the least I could do is like not be afraid and to be a little bit more open about it. And maybe that would help people because uh, there shouldn't be a stigma attached to mental illness.
0: Right. You also write about um, the male dominated world and sexism. Has that changed at all? I mean, I remember reading kitchen confidential and you know, Anthony was just sort of very matter of fact about it It was, Mm was a long time ago. Now things have changed. And obviously the, the Me Too moment has come to your, to your uh, world very much so, but any progress there or not?
1: I think the entire industry is, is trying to ask themselves the hard questions of why, right? And, and there is movement. Um, I've certainly been part of the boys club. I have certainly, it's not just about Me Too. I think we're at a point about equality, representation, and uh, opportunity, and I think uh, treating people the way you would want to be treated. And uh, the industry, particularly certain kind of dining, is based on a military system. And a lot of that toxic behavior is a pro. I've, I came from that, right? And and I've been a bully, and i verbally abused people, and it's something that I've worked really hard on, but it's also, it's not the entire culture, but it's certainly been the part that has been celebrated. and. Uh, It's long overdue that people are saying like, this is, this doesn't work anymore. And and in fact, it's never really worked. And um, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I think it's in a a good place where people are asking, let's just not make, let's not, uh, let's not continue this. Let's try to come up with a new solution, a new way of doing it.
0: Right. Let's talk about politics a little bit. Um, Stephen Ross, is an investor in your restaurants. He's backed Trump and done, done a fundraiser. You maybe suggested that wasn't such a great idea. I'm curious, how active can you get in politics without alienating customers potentially?
1: I mean, if I have to alienate customers to, to believe what I think is right, then so be it. And uh, that whole issue of what happened is not something that I'm I, I I ever thought I'd have to deal with, but um, you know I respectfully disagree strongly with with uh, anyone that supports Donald Trump, and um, we are doing everything we can to sort of uh, do our do our part. And I think you can't in this day and age not see politics, and I'm, it's it's not something you're supposed to talk about at the dinner table, but in the world of food, so much of what you eat is literally you know, stems from politics, so it's, it's something you should talk about, whether it's immigration or the environment. This is all really important stuff, and I, I just I, I strongly disagree that you shouldn't talk about it.
0: I should have asked you at the top maybe, but where do your restaurants stand right now, David, in terms of opening, carry out, take out?
1: Um, we've pivoted a lot of our restaurants to carry out and take away. Before we did that, we spent, uh, I would say, almost three months and probably, I don't know how many, minimum 3,000 hours, 2,000 hours uh, of uh, developing a standard operating procedure for safety protocol and protective equipment. Um, once we implemented that, we open sourced it so it could be a resource because we do have resources available to us that other people don't. Because we're all in this together, and we need solidarity. And if one restaurant uh, doesn't have answers, it doesn't help. Like we need everybody to op- operate off the same page. And you know, we, we you know, two years ago, our CEO Margaret Mariscal presented to the board an option to change our revenue from the four walls of a restaurant being uh, 100% of our revenue to just 50%. And that was our goal in five years. So we've had a plan to 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 to, to enter into the consumer product goods business we did that with Kraft Heinz and we we've been launching it so we've had a lab for 10 plus years we're finally now in a position to start to sell it directly to the consumer I we had a plan that we were going to unveil for a five-year plan and because of the pandemic we've had to do that in six months so we, we're doing anything and everything, obviously, to, to try to make ends meet, but we are focusing a lot of our efforts on a lot of the products that we've developed and, and selling. We have Momofuku Chili Crunch, we have savory salt, we have soy sauces and a variety of fermented products. So we've been sitting on a treasure trove of, of R&D, and I'm incredibly thankful that we have that because this is, this is something we strongly believe in, and it's a, it's a very uh, important part of our business moving forward.
0: Couple quick last questions. You were in finance, so for our audience at Yahoo Finance, why'd you get out?
1: Because I was terrible at it. <laughs> I mean, I worked for Pain Weber at a private wealth asset management. This is before it was UBS uh, for a couple of years, and uh, not a surprise, I was one of the few people that didn't get offered a job. <laughs> and uh, my grades are terrible, and I just. Didn't do well in school. I was a religion major, and everyone I knew was either going into dot-com, like the the 99 bubble before it burst, or banking. That was really it in my world, and not a surprise. I couldn't get a job really in either place, so I entered the financial business however I could, and I just was terrible at it, and I didn't have the aptitude, work ethic, and I realized even if I was really – good at it, I'd still wind up being average. Right. So I was like, I can't do this. This is just, I don't have the heart for it.
0: Well, foodies out there are glad you washed out, David. So no loss at all. And, and then finally, uh, what are you cooking during
1: quarantine? My God, I cook so much. <laughs> First of all, like I cook for, I mean, my son's been running around, so that's why I've been looking over to this side. I was like, oh no. Uh, I cook for him a lot and it's a challenge just to get him to eat whatever I make for him these days because he's 18 months, oh, 18 months and he's now at the point of, of uh, liking one thing one day and another I don't like that but uh, I'm, ma- I'm making everything you name it from hot dogs to roast chicken to Korean food to Japanese food I'm a private chef to my family and uh, I'm, I'm happy I'm doing that I, I it's the one positive of quarantine is being able to spend time with my son and my family in ways that I never would have been able to before. So I'm thankful for that.
0: And they're lucky ones. David Chang, author of the new book, Eat a Peach. Thank you so much for joining us.